1: I'm Arielle Laurie, and this is the Blonde Files podcast, where I talk to experts, influencers, and inspirational people in the world of wellness and beyond. Okay, welcome back to the show. Welcome to the show if you're new. I am really excited about today's episode. I know that I say that every week, and I mean it every week but sometimes there are just certain conversations where we were really vibing, and this was one of them. So my guest today is Courtney Swan. Courtney is an integrative nutritionist and traveling real foodist on a mission to change the way America eats. She received her Master's of Science in Nutrition and Integrative Health from Maryland University of Integrative Health. On a mission to help people, Courtney has built a following over on social media. She posts daily about the real food and organic movement on her Instagram account, Real Foodology. She aims to educate on the dirty practices of the food industry and how to eat healthy with real food. She doesn't believe in diets, and she promotes a real food approach to eating, hence Real Foodology. Courtney also tours full-time with international pop star Tovlo. But when she's not touring with Tove, she resides in L.A. where she is spreading her message for the health of it. And I just adore her. I had such a great time talking to her. I learned so much. And I think you guys are really going to love the episode. So as always, if you enjoy this, please rate, review, subscribe, share, do all the things. I really appreciate it. And without further ado, Courtney Swan okay so i'm here with courtney thank you so Hi. much for having me thank Hi. you so much for coming where did you drive here from
0: uh actually i was working just nearby in culver city but oh, okay. i live in echo park so okay. it's like you know for, for some hour, reason
1: i'm not a stalker but i thought that you lived far away and this is like the worst time to go anywhere in la so we're all kind of i
0: mean i little... do live far away if you're driving during traffic hours yeah oh
1: my god God, I just so looked at,
0: yeah, it's like an hour away from me right now. But if I go at night, it's like 30 minutes.
1: Oh, that's not bad.
0: Yeah, it's not too okay. bad.
1: So yeah. there's a lot that I want to talk about. Um, why don't we just kind of start with rewinding and talking about like why you decided to be an integrative nutritionist. That's what your title is, right? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, it actually all started with my mom. It's funny. I I kind of resisted. um the whole healthy living when I was younger because my mom was um, very into healthy eating. Like we were always shopping at the little like crunchy granola like health food stores when I was little and this was before Whole Foods even existed. Um, And I was very resistant of it as a kid. And I was actually like pretty, I was pretty like angry at my mom when I was little because for this, because I had a real, I had a best friend who would like eat at Burger King every night and I wanted the toys and I wanted the, you know, chicken nuggets from McDonald's or whatever. Um but looking back at it, I'm so grateful because it put me, obviously on the path that I'm on now. Um so I so growing up, I didn't eat a lot of fast food and didn't get a lot of junk food. And then I went to college and I went crazy. I was like eating taco Bell and like just going for it. And then I gained like, oh, you know, good, like twenty pounds. Um and at that point, my mom was like slowly starting to, she would like mail me like cookbooks and like health food books in the mail. In college and then that kind of started to spark my interest and then I remember my the last class I took um, senior year I was going to school in Boulder was a nutrition class and at the time I remember thinking oh my god why did I not study nutrition because all of a sudden I was like really into it um, started eating healthier I was able to lose the weight that I gained in college and then that was kind of where I started like my love for healthy eating because I realized it made me feel better I felt better in my skin I looked better and, yeah, I just started, like, seeing the correlation between what I was putting on my body versus, you know, and, like, how it affected your body.
1: Mm-hmm. Um... I listened to another podcast that you were on today, so it's kind of fresh in my mind. But I think after you went to undergrad, then you ended up on the road, right? With Uh 303? Yeah. Okay, so can you talk about that? How did that happen?
0: So they were, so 303 are, it's a a band out of Boulder, Colorado, if you aren't aware of them. Um, And when we were in college, they were just really good friends of mine, Nat and Sean. And we... Yeah. So basically they started playing shows and then when we graduated college, they started getting national recognition and they had known. So the whole time I was in college, basically, I thought I was going to work in music. That was like really what I wanted to do. Um, And I've been doing music internships and I was kind of like working in the industry through this record label called Epitaph Records. So they really knew that I wanted to work and like go on tour. So when we graduated and they started getting national recognition, they got asked to play uh, warp Tour, which was it's now it's dissolved at this point. But um, it's like a music festival for like emo alternative kind of music like I that. remember. Yeah. So I ended up going on tour with them um, and I worked with them for like two and a half years. And that's kind of how I got started, because once you get in that industry, it's pretty easy to like you know, make connections and bounce around with different bands and stuff. So
1: So what was your role exactly?
0: So I was their tour manager. So it was, was really <laughs> <laughs> um, that it's sounds actually stressful. <laughs> it was the, <laughs> I loved it when I was doing it, but when I was done, I was like I am so done with this job because you're you're basically kind of on call 24/7. Like you're really there. I always called it like a glorified babysitter. You're like a glorified babysitter plus like there Um, their manager on the road because their manager doesn't tour with them. So you're like a representation for their manager. So you make sure they get to interviews on time. You make sure they get to the show on time. You coordinate shows. You work with the promoter ahead of time, book flights. I mean, it's like all encompassing. And then you're also the person in charge and the one that gets called if uh, a band member is out missing at like 3 a.m. and it's bus call. Um, Yeah, it's, it's a lot oh my god it was really fun though
1: how did your lifestyle because if you were kind of getting into like healthy living wellness at the end of college and then you go to that lifestyle how did that evolve if it did
0: yeah it did i mean i just kind of i've always been really good at adapting to my environment so it was just kind of one of those things where i was like all right challenge accepted like this is what i'm gonna you know i'm gonna make it work so um when i was touring with them we were on a bus thankfully which means that we had like a Not a full kitchen, but we had access to like a refrigerator and like a little mini kitchen. So I would just go grocery shopping a lot. I always had like healthy groceries on the bus. I was buying like a lot of, you know, organic healthy foods. And then later when I started touring with another band, we were in a van and trailer and we were spending the night in hotels every night. And that one was really tricky. I was basically like only I only allowed myself to eat like Panera, Chipotle or Whole Foods. I would basically just drag the van to Whole Foods every day. Uh, and then I just had like a a box of food in the back that would just like supplement like snacks and stuff like that. It was hard.
1: And were you the tour manager for that band too? Was that Third Eye Blind?
0: No, so Third Eye Blind was later. Okay. So that was this band called The Somerset. And then when I was done with the Somerset, at that point it had been five years of touring and I was like I was getting really into health and wellness. Mm-hmm. And I decided that I wanted to get off the road and go back and study nutrition. Mm-hmm. So then I quit and then a year into my studies is when I met Third Eye Blind and they were like, hey, we're looking for a tour manager. We'd love to bring you out. So then I got dragged back out on the road.
1: Interesting, because I know that now you work with Tovlo, right? Mm-hmm. And you work with her on nutrition, yeah. right? So I'm just interested in like how it went from like tour managing, like having these two separate lives kind of to like where you are now, because it seems like um, you were able to like meld those two worlds yeah, I mean,
0: it's it's really cool. I'm so yeah, I'm just it. It's funny because it kind of um. I'm I made it into a job for myself, but I can't take full credit because basically what happened was I have a friend, Brian, who's like one of my really close friends and I've known him since we were 18 Um, and he was touring with other bands. And when he got this offer with Tove, he wrote me an email and just said, hey, we're looking for somebody who. Um, could help her stay healthy on the road, like make smoothies in the morning for her and just kind of like, um, maybe like just keep her accountable a little bit for like eating healthy. And he's like, I know that you're out with third eye blind right now. But I also know that you have this nutrition background. And we kind of just wanted to see like how we could make this work. And obviously, I'd never done anything like this before. And she never hired anybody like that. So the first day I sat down with Brian, and he was like, just do what you do. And we'll just kind of like, go as we go, and we'll just make this into a job position for you. So, um, yeah, it was cool.
1: How long have you been doing that for? Four years. Wow. Yeah. And so you got your degree when you were on the road. Is that correct? Yeah. And you got – so why did you decide to not go the RD route? Because that's kind of the traditional – nutrition route, it seems like. I have RDs in the family.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I mean, I will say this looking back, there's a part of me that's like, man, I should have just gone for it anyways, because it is like, it's still to this day, the most widely recognized um, credentials for nutrition. However, I really, had I done that, I would have had to do further training for what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And essentially I went to Texas State and I was like on the track to start doing that. But I was having a really hard time because everything that they were teaching us was so outdated. Um, At the time we were being told to um, tell our clients to eat low fat diets and sugar wasn't even, you know, really of concern and they weren't really worried about trans fats. And that's changing. But the problem is, is that the, the education system hasn't fully caught up with all the research yet. And I was having a really hard time with it. And I just hit a point where I was like, I'm about to go into like four plus years of this and it's really not what I believe in at all. And like, like I had said earlier, had I maybe thought about it a little bit more, I could have just like, you know, bared through it, gotten the RD credentials and then I could have done whatever I wanted with it. But at the time I was like, you know what? I just, I really want a more like holistic integrative approach. So I took a year off and I basically just researched everything I possibly could. And I landed on Maryland university of integrative health. And initially I was going to go to school there, but then I started. I started the online course, and then I got dragged in. Well, not dragged in. I gladly went to work for Third Eye Blind, but I, I say I got dragged in because I, <laughs> I had sworn off the road, and then they, they gave me an offer I couldn't refuse. Right, so. it's like
1: you're being pulled in a few different directions. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's crazy about the um, like the education for an RD. I feel like it's yeah. probably the same way in med school. Like it's just so Absolutely. outdated. But if you get the med school degree or the RD. In other people's eyes, unfortunately, it's I mean kind it's of still, validating,
0: like, like absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, hopefully, it will change. The problem too is that the the thing that I also didn't like about the RD and may, I haven't looked into it honestly in the last couple of years, so maybe it's changed. But it's so infiltrated by like big agriculture, big food industry. Mm-hmm. Every year they put on these events, and they're sponsored by Coca Cola, General Mills, and it's just stuff that I really didn't want to align align myself with because it was basically everything I've. Don't believe in when it comes to food so i just was having a really hard time with that but yeah
1: so what what do you kind of believe in with food like how did your own journey with wellness evolve as you were going through your education
0: and just having these different experiences oh that's interesting um i'm trying to think how i came how i got to the place that i did it was a combination of a couple different experts that i found just along my journey um, I started out, it's so funny to look back, I started out kind of in like the beach body community where it was like drinking this Shakeology once or twice a day. Um, and then it evolved into, I found Mark Hyman. Um, oh, oh, I love, love him. him. Yeah. <laughs> I am such a Mark
1: Hyman groupie. Oh, me it's too. like, we should make a fan club. <laughs> we really should. It started he's, today. He's we're starting best. now. I think I saw somewhere on your, like, maybe on your Instagram that you were talking about Meat as a condiment, a con- yes, meat? condiment. Meat, and I was like, Mark Hyman, exactly. <laughs> I, oh, love I love him. that. Yeah, my husband better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I just think, I mean, he has a really good approach to it. Yeah, um, it's really well balanced, and it's just, it's all about getting back to just eating real food, and that's just, yeah. So I found Mark Hyman. Um, I found the food babe, and I know she's been really controversial, but Mm -hmm. I still, like, overall love her for what she's done as far as, like, the food movement in general. Um, I'm trying to think of—oh, and I read a couple books from Michael Mm Pollan about, you know, just, like, the past of how the food industry got to where it is today. And it really sparked, uh, like, a passion in me for wanting to change the food industry and, like, how we produce food today.
1: Mm -hmm. So was that kind of your goal going into school? Like, I I mean— It seems like you kind of carved out this career that you've, or the path that you've been on for the last few years, but what was your goal going into it? Was it to like kind of
0: disrupt? Yeah, it changed as I went through school. So when I first went into school, I really thought that I envisioned myself having a private practice just with clients. And then as I got more and more into the food industry and the dirty practices and wanting to change it, it started feeling like that wasn't big enough for me. And I I mean, I want to say that, like, honestly, the mentality I have is if I can help one person like that's amazing and good enough for me. But it just felt like it was such a big task to take on that I wanted to be able to reach as many people as possible in order to spread the message about it. Um, And so it kind of involved evolved into wanting to take more of like an activism side to it, Um, which is funny that I've like ended up now working with just like one client, which is I mean, she takes up so much of my time that I don't really do anything else right now. Um, but I am back on the track of trying to do more of like taking on the food industry and wanting to really change practices. I would love to get more into the politics.
1: And you have your Instagram platform.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so, that's what I use it for a lot. So. Yeah.
1: And when did that come to fruition?
0: So I started, I actually started out with a blog. So I started my blog, Real Foodology, in 2011. Um, and then I was writing on that for a couple of years and my Instagram was just, you know, my name and it was just nothing. It was funny. I was posting just like the, like, if you scroll back really far, it was like the ugliest, grossest post <laughs> of food. And I'm like, I can't, I'm like horrified that like I even with posted them. Like the old them. school Instagram
1: exactly. filter and that's like, it. On, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: I did that Horrible lighting. <laughs> like you can't even tell what I'm eating. Um, and then it just kind of slowly evolved. Like as I got more and more into blogging And then as Instagram started taking off and as I started getting more excited about Instagram, it kind of just like happened. I just started learning how to take better photos, posting more photos every day, getting more passionate about talking about things. And then it just kind of like took off.
1: Mm -hmm. Speaking of Instagram, I I was going back in your posts and there were a few things that stood out. So one of them was um, having health and wellness fatigue. Yeah. And I'm really curious about that. And like if Instagram has played a role in that or if it's just from so many years of school and then being in that environment.
0: You know, that's interesting. I haven't really thought too much about the correlation. But if I was just to, yeah, like go off now, I I would think that it's kind of a combination of both. Um, I've kind of gotten to a space where. I mean, when I, when I was really, really in it with Instagram, I was posting two to three times a day mm-hmm. and it was literally my, it would take up my entire day. Like I would basically just be, um, you know, going from one meal, like cooking one meal, making it beautiful, taking a photo, then taking the next photo. And it was just like nonstop every day. And then I got to a point where I was like, okay, I cannot live like this anymore. I'm going to do one a day. Cause you know, it's a lot like people, I don't know if, if, if you don't have an Instagram account. That you run as a business people may not understand everything that goes into it but it's commenting everybody back writing back to everybody that dms you and i mean i love it that's like my favorite part about it but it takes a lot of time and energy and i just got to the point where it was taking so much energy out of me that i started to kind of resent it in a way um and then yeah and i think i also just got to a place where i i just i think that i was a little bit too I'm careful to say obsessive because I don't think that it was like an unhealthy obsession, but I just think that it it ruled too much of my life. Like I was thinking too much about the next meal and too much about the photos that I was going to post on Instagram. And it just it got to a place for me where I needed to take a step back because I was getting so overwhelmed, fatigued by it, and then honestly just like over it. And so I kind of had to take a step back and be like, okay, I need to like find my passion for this again and figure out how to get to a space where it's healthy and manageable for myself.
1: Yeah. It is so overwhelming. Yeah. And I mean, I envy people who have like a day job, (laughs) quote unquote. I used to like I didn't start doing this full time until last year. And and it's like when it's the only thing that you have, there's it's just it's it's so hard not to get obsessive about it. And um. Yeah. And another thing that you said was that you were overseeking perfect health. So I can relate to that so much. Mm -hmm. Like I know for me, I've kind of gone through like being really relaxed and then having to heal my gut i had all these gut and hormone issues so then i was super super strict and then i was putting too much stress on my body and then i was like fuck it and now i've like kind of found this like middle ground and i feel like i had to go through what all of those different phases to get to where i am and it's funny because you can recognize other people when they're like in like where they are in their own (laughs) um but yeah i'm curious how your kind of philosophy has evolved and how you've gotten to that point
0: Yeah. I mean, I think part of what helped me get to a more balanced place was touring with Tove. Because when I, I remember when I first went out with Tove, I was feeling very nervous because I was like, oh my God, how am I going to know if my food's organic? You know, how am I going to be able to plan out all my healthy meals and all this stuff? And looking back on that now, yeah, it was just like, it was just trying to obtain this like constant state of like, how can I stay the healthiest that I can possibly stay? And it was taking up so much of like my brain power too, that there wasn't much space to think about anything else. And it just, yeah, I don't think- It's the opposite of healthy. (laughs) Exactly. I was gonna say, I don't think that's healthy either. It's just extremism. And it just got to a point where it was like overtaking my life. And then when I started with Tove, I slowly started being like, okay, I'm not gonna stress about if this meal is organic or not, because there's literally nothing I can do about it. Um, I'm going to eat organic when I can. And the cool thing was, is that I was like in charge of finding all the places for us to eat. So I would find good, healthy places to eat. But again, if I couldn't find anything that was, you know, like quote unquote, the healthiest or whatever, like I just started to relax around it. And as that happened, it was lucky for me because it was a gradual thing. So I didn't have like this full, like panic or anything about it you know it was just like it gradually happened and then one day it kind of dawned on me I was like oh I've I feel like now I've gotten to a really healthy place with it Mm -hmm. um where I can I try to eat as healthy as I can if I have some days that I don't eat as as healthy then I mean you're we're human you know like there's Mm -hmm. only so much you can fucking do and if you're stressing about it all day it's not healthy either
1: yeah and there's it's you have a physiological reaction, right? If you're thinking in your head, like, oh, my God, this isn't organic. Oh, my God, there's gluten in this. And it's going to make me so bloated. And I'm going to feel like shit. And then, of course, you're going to have a reaction. Whereas, like, if you can just. I don't know not be in that heightened state yeah like it probably won't affect you that much unless there's like a serious issue
0: yeah exactly well and that was the other thing too is the only serious issue i have is i just can't have gluten Mm -hmm. but i was stressing so much like like i said i'm over trying to seek perfect health because every day it was like oh my god how can i eat like super healthy because i don't it was just like i was chasing this like perfect health that doesn't really exist right And then I also like it's never enough. Yeah, exactly. It's never enough. Mm -hmm. And in that case it's not healthy because then you're never going to obtain, you know, because you're just going to be constantly chasing something that's like perfect. That's not obtainable. Mm -hmm. And also, like for me, I mean, I was doing this while I was traveling all the time and I just finally took a step back and I was like, I mean, I'm in France right now and I'm sitting here like freaking out about what I'm going to have for dinner. And it's not even breakfast yet. Like I need to chill, be present in the moment where I'm at. And then just like take it as it comes, you know, and it's just having that relaxation around it has changed my life. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not running around all day trying to plan every meal. It's like if, you know, whatever I'm presented with, I will make do. And it's just like it's so much better.
1: Yeah, no, I feel <laughs> you. So nice. So I am really curious, though, because um, going back to like politics and quality of food and big food companies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you were in Europe. Like I know for me, if I'm traveling, there are certain places where I go where I can eat gluten and I'm not affected by it. So did you experience that at all?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I've noticed though, it's funny, I've noticed in certain countries, I still can't. Like Mm -hmm. if I eat gluten and we were in South America last year, I got really sick. Really? Yeah. So I couldn't do that. And then in the UK as well. So it really depends. It depends on a lot on like, Um, pesticide usage for that country and also the kinds of wheat that they're using as well. And a lot of European countries use like the more ancient um, wheat varieties than we do. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so I've noticed like I was eating, I was in Italy like two months ago, just having an eat, pray, love moment, like just eating all the pasta (laughs) and bread I could and I was fine. Yeah. But then I come home and actually I talked about this on my Instagram recently too. When I came home, I had a really hard time readjusting because I kind of, I like really just kind of let Loose in that sense, and was eating whatever I wanted, and then I came home and was like trying to do that again, and I got really sick. And mm-hmm. it's just the unfortunate reality of the American quality food versus Europe. Yeah,
1: that's crazy. We were in Africa last year, and um, I thought you were leaving. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, bye. <laughs> I'm here. Um, we were in Africa last year, and I was talking to like we were in the Maasai and we were talking to like village people, and um, you know, for the most part, they drink cow's blood and, and drink milk and that's it like they've they have barely any food maybe some corn and stuff like that um but and so i was talking to them about disease and like mortality and they didn't have like any cancer or anything like that like Yes, they're very poor and they don't have like basics, but also they weren't dying from diseases that we die from over here until they started getting Mm -hmm. some of their food from the UK and getting more like preservatives and stuff like that. And now they're seeing that village people and, you know, they're they're starting to get really sick and heart disease and cancer and stuff like that. So,
0: yeah, I mean, it's really crazy. crazy. It's interesting to see the countries that have kind of adopted like the U.S. food practices and kind of like. Um, you know, the more they import from the U.S. and stuff, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like the sicker they get as well. Yeah. And then you look at countries like, for example, in most of the Scandinavian countries, I know for like Sweden, for example, for sure, they have so many um, additives and stuff that they don't allow in their foods that uh, they can't even sell a lot of American food there. Yeah. Because it's just banned.
1: It's crazy. Or
0: what's happening too is a lot of American companies are having to change their formulations in order to be sold in other countries. It's crazy. It makes me ugh, like my blood is boiling just thinking <laughs> yeah, about it right me now. So I'm like, if you're changing it for other countries, why not change for us as well? Right. You know, it's just. Yeah. But it's money. It's all about yeah, the I profit. I
1: follow the money. Yeah. Um. So what is I know it's different for everybody, but what is kind of your food philosophy? Like, I know that it's not one size fits all, but. um, In a perfect world, what would your perfect day of eating be say?
0: Okay, so my philosophy is I try to keep it as basic as possible because I want it to be accessible for everybody. So what I always say is if it was alive at one point, then it's fair game. And obviously you can apply that to plants, animals, everything. If you want to get more specific, um, well, and again, also I just say like real food. But it's easier to say like if it was once alive because then you can kind of apply that a little bit better because people are like, what's real food? Less stuff in packages, Um, And then if you want to get more specific, especially if you're eating in the United States, I try my hardest to eat organic. Um, And then if it's meat, it's got to be pasture-raised, grass-fed, antibiotic-free, hormone-free. But if it's organic, it's already going to be antibiotic and Mm -hmm. hormone-free. And then as far as like overarching, yeah, I mean, I just, I like to, like I said before, I don't want to be too strict about it. So unless if you literally have, you know, a gluten allergy or something like that. I try to say that like everything is fair game as long as it's real food. Try to cook more, buy less things in packages. If you're gonna buy things in packages, make sure that if you look at the ingredients, it's something that you could make in your kitchen at home. Doesn't mean you have to, but it just means like if you see all the ingredients on there and it's, you know, almonds, sea salt, blah, 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 whatever, and you're like, oh, I could buy all of these if I wanted to and make mm-hmm. it at home, then not buy something it. that you make in a lab. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. With a <laughs> bunch of preservatives that. and Mm -hmm.
1: So I want to kind of talk about the the other aspects of wellness. Um, I'm curious, like how you practiced self care and took care of yourself, especially with all the travel that you were doing and when you're responsible for taking care of other
0: people. Oh, interesting. You know, my biggest form of self self care is exercising. Um, I mean, I feel like everybody probably says this, but it's 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 like therapy for me. Um, actually, and also therapy. So mm-hmm. I the biggest things for me when I was touring is making sure that I would get a workout in every every day, either going for a run, um, walking around the city, just getting some sort of sweat in. And then I would FaceTime my therapist from L.A. once a, or once a week while I was on the road. Um, and those were kind of the things that I really did to just like take care of myself.
1: hmm. I and can, hold myself accountable. Can you talk about your anxiety a little bit too? Yeah, I know you're pretty vocal about that.
0: Yeah, so I've had generalized anxiety most of my life. I was diagnosed with it when I was, uh, I feel like I was in middle school, and it's so funny because this is such a testament to how I am now. And I was so young back then to even like know, but it it still just like was ingrained to in me, I guess. But um, they tried to put me on Zoloft, and I remember telling my mom like. I mean, it was literally like four days in or something. And I was like, nope, I don't know what it is. I'm not doing this. And, and I never did you feel different. Yeah, mm-hmm. it did. And it was like not an OK different for me. Right. Um. And so I've always tried to and look, this is not I'm not like st- I'm not trying to preach against drugs or anything like that. It's just this is my own personal journey. Um. I didn't want to take any sort of medication for it because, like I said, the time that it did, it just did not make me feel like myself. Um, and I've always been a believer that always been a believer that there's there's always gonna be a root cause there. And I'd rather get to the root cause and just like put a band-aid on it. I wanna address it head on and figure out what's going on. That way I can mend it and then move on. So I started going to therapy um, to address my anxiety because it got really bad when I was in my like early twenties. I was having panic attacks every day. Um, and so I started going to see a therapist talking it out, and that like really is what helped me the most. And I found a a couple different herbs, like ashwagandha, holy basil. And the combination of that and just, like, talking it out with somebody every week and kind of, like, addressing the things that were really bothering me is what has literally changed my life. Mm -hmm. And it's really helped.
1: Yeah. I've struggled with anxiety, too i skipped the ssris and went straight to the benzos
0: yeah <laughs> and i was
1: heavily addicted for 10 years i've been sober for almost six years wow um it was not just benzos it was a lot of other stuff but they all like played off each other yeah and um it's hard going i mean that just basically like mutes you like all yeah. of yeah so that's what i've heard i mean yeah it's so like, when you go off it it's like through the fucking roof and it's You're
0: just feeling everything. Crazy. Yeah,
1: because it's like a scale, right? And like, yeah. so it's weighing it down and then when you take it off.
0: Um, did you come off cold turkey or did you like gradually? Well,
1: no. So I, I went to rehab three, two times and uh-huh. then I went to detox. And then uh, by the end of it, I was having seizures like all the time oh because gosh. I would run out and then, you know, not have it for a day or two. And I wasn't even taking very much. I was taking maybe like a milligram a day.
0: Wow. And your um, body was just like, just needed I just, it. Yeah. It was it's, just for whatever reason, people, yeah. I guess, just
1: metabolize it differently. And um,
0: yeah, so I was having like people having seizures coming off of that. Oh, wow. yeah.
1: And I was drinking. So I was coming off alcohol mm. as well. But it was but I could skip days of drinking and not seize. I could not skip a day. Of Xanax or Klonopin or whatever it was and um yeah so by the end of it I mean it was like I was in a blackout for like a month and my family had to fly out here and intervene on me and I went to Cedars for like five days because they couldn't stop them and then I went to treatment so (laughs) so how (laughs) I'm so curious so
0: how after having those seizures like how did you get to a point where like how did they stop the seizures then without giving the meds uh was it just a waiting out period
1: I don't know exactly what they gave me at Cedars. Like, I know that when I went to detox, it's kind of weird because they would give you a benzo that had a longer half-life. So, like, if I was taking Xanax or Clonabin, mm-hmm. they would give me Valium. So, they're giving me the same thing, but just at a lower dose and with a longer half-life like, Okay. so that I was, like, tapering really slowly. So a, yeah. Just and, like, like Depakote, which is, like, a um, mood stabilizer, I think, but it also has anti-convulsive properties i don't know it was gnarly
0: that's wow. and that was six years ago yeah
1: wow yeah crazy but so you know it's been i love talking to people about anxiety yeah oh my gosh i think it's so common now um absolutely and i'm i just love hearing how other people deal with it because it can be such a struggle i also go
0: to therapy i love it I um, cannot stop talking about therapy. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's another amazing. thing that I loved. I Because I I just, I want to normalize it because I feel like there's still, it's getting better. It's definitely getting better. But I think even still with our parents' generation, there's this mentality of like, well, there's nothing wrong with me. I don't need to go to therapy. And I'm right. kind of like, we're human beings and living is really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I kind of feel like everybody could benefit from from seeing a therapist. Totally. You know, we all have things that we should work on and address. And
1: yeah, it's just... I know. It's so funny. It's like hand. some weeks I'll go in there and I'll be like, yeah, everything's good. Like nothing. And then by the end of it, I'm yeah. like, my mind is like blown. I've had like one revelation after another. Same. Yeah, it's really powerful. It I'm really curious is. too about ashwagandha. So you you are a big proponent of supplements, right? You take a lot. I
0: do. I take like 20 a day. It's insane.
1: Okay. I need to know. (laughs) Give me the breakdown. No, I'm kidding. But I mean, what do you look for in supplements and what do you think we can get from food? And then what do you think we need to like fill in?
0: Well, it really depends. I mean, I'm, I also really believe in bio individualized nutrition, um, which just means like everybody's different. Your body's going to be a little bit different than anybody else's. And so, um, I really, I'm a huge proponent of doing lab work first just to kind of see where you're at because I don't want to just, like, throw a bunch of vitamins at you and be like, well, let's just see what sticks. I'd rather, like, actually know what you need. There's a couple that everybody is pretty much deficient in that I always would – that I like to recommend. Um, B12 is one that just across the board pretty much all Americans are deficient in one way or another. Um, And then probiotics I really recommend just because – Especially for a lot of our generation, if we have like um, a past of taking a lot of antibiotics, we've disrupted a lot of the, the microbiome, the gut flora. And so taking probiotics just helps to like rebuild that that um, gut flora. And then vitamin D is another one, because as we wear more sunscreen, um, we're getting less vitamin D because we get vitamin D from the sun. And then besides that, yeah, I would say like, well, in fish oil, too, because a lot of people are um, we're lacking in omega threes and which is what we normally would get in our food. But now we use more canola oil than we use like anything else. And so we're getting less omega-3s. And, I mean, I could go off on a tangent to the omega-3s. <laughs> <for> but <laughs> um, like grass-fed, or, I'm sorry, corn-fed cows have way less omegas in them than grass-fed because they're converting it from the sun, essentially. And they're when they eat corn, they get sick and they're producing a different type of fat in their body. Um, than they would from grass because they're meant to be eating grass. That's what their bodies were designed to consume. And so when they're not eating grass and they're eating corn, they're getting sick and producing. Their studies have been shown that, yes, so they get fatter when they're on corn and they produce a different type of fat. It's lower in Mm -hmm. omega-3s. So we're across the board, like, getting less and less omega-3s. And then another thing, too, so when I first got into nutrition, I was really, I was a huge proponent of just, like, Get all your vitamins and minerals from your food. And I still believe that, that you can and that we do, but you'd have to eat so much of certain kinds of foods in order, like, more than you could probably consume in one day to get the recommended vitamin dose. And then on top of that, the more that we use um, pesticides and herbicides, we're depleting our soil, so we're getting less minerals and vitamins from our food as a result. So we're not consuming as much anymore. So, and I mean, I think if if you get a good... Um, quality vitamin and supplement then why not why not supplement it when you can mm-hmm.
1: something that we haven't touched on but when you were talking about the the animals and being sick we didn't really talk about hormones but I know that you've had your own journey with hormones as well and I know that's from, we might not have time to get into all of that <laughs> yeah. but um I think you know I was I think I heard you talking about it in the podcast that I was listening to and um, you were Given a copper IUD, mm-hmm. right? Can yeah. you talk about that a little bit? Because I'm having um Dr.
0: Brighton come on. The oh podcast. my gosh, I Ugh. love her. I, know, I love her. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. She's like a wealth of knowledge for women's hormones. Yeah.
1: And I actually recently was at a point where like my hormones are all over the place. I was diagnosed with PCOS, but I haven't taken the pill in years. And it got to a point where I was like, I just need the fucking pill. Like I need a band-aid. I yeah. don't care. I know. I know the side effects, the ramifications. And um, I tried one and I was like, nope, nope, not <laughs> happening. It's and, now I, a nightmare. and now I feel like things are a little bit better because I've been going the more natural route. But, um, but the copper IUD is kind of like the, the safe one that people yeah. promote.
0: Well, it's interesting because the copper IUD is promoted as a non-hormonal non-hormo- birth control. And on paper, that's true Mm -hmm. um, because you're not actually getting hormones. But what I discovered in my research after I got this put in was that as copper levels rise in your body, so does estrogen. So it can still have a hormonal effect on your body. And again, everybody's different. I have two friends that are that both have a copper IUD that are fine. They love Mm -hmm. it and they have not had any effects from it. I started feeling the effects of it within like three months of having it in and it's funny because I didn't even make the correlation at first. Like I got it and I was like, yes, like no hormones because I've never been able to do hormonal birth control. It it literally turns me into a monster no matter mm-hmm. what. kind. I mean, I've tried like I've tried everything across the board. Um, And so when I got this, I was like, oh, this is great. I'm not, you know, no side effects, no hormones. And then. I started like maybe a month in, I started feeling a little weird in my body, but I didn't think anything of it. And I didn't make any correlation with IUD because at this point I had no idea that there could even be like an effect. And then I remember just, you know, maybe being like month two in or something. And I mean, my anxiety was through the roof and I was going, I remember telling my boyfriend at the time, I was like, I feel like I'm reverting back to when I was in my twenties when I was having the panic attacks every day. And I really had gotten to a good place and I hadn't had them for like 10 plus years. And I was really getting anxious again. But again, I made no correlations. And then it was maybe like the third month in. I just, you know, I was just trying to Google anything about my symptoms. And as I was Googling, I came up, to, I basically came across an article that was talking about the correlation between Um, rising levels of copper in your body and then it, you know, causing anxiety and causing hormonal issues and all this stuff. And then I just started Googling everything that I could. I found all these articles about it. Unfortunately, there's not any scientific research about it because if you try to look up any scientific research about birth control in general, it really doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And this makes me really mad. And this is where the feminist comes out of me. And I'm like, if this was a male problem, we would have so many studies. We wouldn't even know what to do. Yeah. (laughs) So that makes me really angry um so there's not and that's the problem and is it's men all had periods they wouldn't be able to fucking deal with no that. <laughs> they would not <laughs> well did you hear so... about the whole issue with the male birth control hi i'm kennedy yeah. i wasn't hi. even like <laughs> know it, Like i've been selling over here i love it we
1: keep her mic on just in case just She'll in case it. i have
0: some input <laughs> um but there was a they started producing a male birth control and then within like two weeks of the study like the the headline of the article i read was like the male birth control was causing moodiness, weight gain, yes. and hormonal like, issues. And they're like, we're going to stop this. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh like, all- boo-hoo. Like, what? Like, <laughs> no, no, they, they stopped, stopped it in a month. Of our lives. They literally stopped this the study <sighs> after like a month or something. Um, oh. So there we have it. You know, we're I will the say... Guy in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I know, he's like... Hiding. <laughs> I know. No, but you know, I will say, and this is maybe controversial for some women, but... I also don't believe in giving men hormonal birth control either, because then we're just going to be back in the same page again in the same issue of now men are going to have the issues that women are dealing with right now. So I want to find something that is like maybe there's like this new gel that they're talking about that they can inject and that will just like block sperm from being ejaculated, which that I'm like, okay that sounds like a cool viable option because. I don't I don't also because basically the, the pill and all the hormones are putting women's health at risk. And now I don't want to f- switch it and just like put it on to men. You know, I don't think that's fair either. I think that's we need so to nice find. <laughs> I mean, because I think, you know, ultimately I care about humanity. Yeah. I want, I want everybody to thrive. And I think um, there has to be a solution to where we don't like put our healths at risk. Right.
1: And but, then there's also condoms, kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <I> mean,
0: yeah. <laughs> the man in the room is just like what are you talking about
1: <laughs> i didn't know if i was getting like a signal like it was time to stop
0: <laughs> no he was just okay. having opinions
1: okay so that's really interesting so i'm sure you ended up having it taken out and I how did. long did it take your body to go back to homeostasis I mean... <laughs>
0: It was probably, I mean, it took me a while. It was probably a good like four months or so. Oh, this is so interesting. And I love telling this too. So um, I see an integrative doctor and she's she's actually a medical doctor and then um, also has holistic training. And I went in to see her during that time when I was on the IUD, when I started thinking it was maybe the IUD. And so we did all these tests and she got my blood work back and she was like, you are literally a case study for the IUD. She was like, your copper is so off the charts that it's insane. My copper was off the charts and then um, my inflammation markers were like scary through the roof and they'd wow. never been that high before. So she was like, let's just watch you. I want to up your zinc because um, zinc and copper kind of work in tandem together. So like if you have really high copper and you take zinc, usually it will balance the two out and bring the copper down. Um, and that's ultimately what I did. So I took the IUD out. I started taking glutathione and calcium deglucrate, which bind to estrogen and like help just flush it out of your body. And had to wait it out, like, four months, and then I finally started feeling better. Oh, God. That's it was intense. also, like, one of those experiences where, like, in the moment, I didn't even, like, re- I mean, I I was in pure agony. And then looking back on it, like, really realized how bad it was. Because now that I'm, like, back in, like, a normal state, it's like, whew, that was, like, not okay.
1: <laughs> Is there anything, I don't know if you can speak to this at all, but if you have, if if you're dealing with somebody who has a hormone imbalance, Is there anything that you suggest they tweak in their diet or anything that they can do naturally or supplements that they can take to help that?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, to be honest, it really depends on what it is. So, like, for example, if your progesterone is really low, um, I would recommend taking, you know, like doing either using a progesterone cream or like taking a progesterone pill um, that you would get from through a compounding pharmacy. Um, for estrogen, if your estrogen is really high, I sometimes recommend DIM or like glutathione, like I said, and calcium mm-hmm. d because they bind the estrogen and help your body like flush out the excess estrogen. Um, it just, it to be honest, it's like case by case because it really depends on what hormone is high um, and then you kind of address it from there.
1: Mm-hmm. I want to get to listener questions. Yeah. Let me, I didn't write them down because they've kind of been coming in throughout the day. What is the craziest thing that's ever happened on the
0: road? Oh God, I might have to think about this for a second. Okay. Um. God, I mean, I feel like there's so many stories with Tove, but I can't. So maybe I'll think of another one. But I can think of one with this band, The Somerset. Actually, yeah, this probably is the craziest thing that's ever happened. So, um, and hopefully, I haven't told this story before. I can't remember, but um, so I was working for this band, The Somerset, and we were driving from L.A. to San Diego. We had had a show in L.A. the night before, and then we had a show in San Diego. And we did not time it outright with traffic. We ended up in really crazy traffic. And um, we were so late to the show that we literally showed up like 10 minutes before the band was supposed to start playing. And normally you show up oh like four or five hours earlier and you get to sound check. You set up all your gear because it's a whole process. It usually takes like at least an hour just like to set up all the gear. So we show up really late. We basically just load everything out of the van and trailer directly onto the stage. And... We were playing at House of Blues, and the thing with House of Blues is that they don't just take your credentials. So we usually have, like, a credential that we travel with, and then every venue just uses that to let you in and out of the venue. House of Blues, however, likes to make it really hard on you, and they give you specific wristbands. So if you don't have the wristband, they don't recognize you as being on the tour, and they won't let you in. So we play the show. Even if
1: you're the band? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. No,
0: I mean, it's, it's honestly crazy. And I wonder if they've changed it now since this incident, because it was really bad. Um, but so <laughs> the band plays, everything's great. Then my singer, Brian jumps off stage into the crowd on the last song and breaks his leg. <gasps> he comes off stage oh. and he is in so much pain that he's barfing everywhere. We have to like carry him off stage. Like it was really bad. We're in the basement and there's no phone service. So I run upstairs to get phone service because I need to like call someone. And I was trying to get hold of a friend or we we're going to call an ambulance, whatever. I was like trying to figure out what to do. So then I get a hold of somebody and we literally have a car waiting to like drive him to the hospital and they won't let me back in the venue. And there's two different doors, so I'm going back and forth and mind you everybody else including the singer is downstairs in the basement so I cannot get a hold of any- anybody cuz none of them have service and I told them I'd come back so they're all waiting for me. So I run in between two different doors and both of them they won't let me and finally I was just like fuck it I'm going. <laughs> I'm run and I just bolt and I make it all the way down the stairs around and I'm almost to the green room in these two Huge security guards come <laughs> and pick me up and they drag me outside and they literally threw me on the ground. I had so many bruises all over the place and I was like, oh my God, I get so mad when I think about oh, this story. My God. Um, and afterwards, like there was a-, a higher tour manager that was like in charge of the entire tour and she completely bitched out the venue. I think she like got the money back and like it was like this whole thing. But yeah, that was crazy. <laughs>
1: wow. That's crazy. Oh my God. Wait. So how did they get? How did they get the guy?
0: So How? I caused, like, so much commotion that I finally was able to, like, get, get a hold of attendant. somebody. Yeah. And then, like, they all came outside and we were able to, like, take him to the hospital. But it was, like, this whole Oy. stupid ordeal.
1: That's brutal. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. Switching gears. Yeah. <laughs> Completely switching gears. What? Are you about, like, I can't even ask this. Um, what are your favorite sugar
0: alternatives? <laughs>
1: What like a sugar free went. I
0: know seriously like <laughs> sugar free or just like in general like sweeteners I think
1: instead of like sweeteners or if you use sweeteners or
0: so the uh, my favorite is monk fruit I use it for me everything too. I use it for baking I have a monk fruit syrup that I put on my pancakes I love it it's do sugar you work free and... I do well you know they just send me stuff right now I don't do like any branded work with them but I just yeah, I love them they're the best they are literally the oh. best yeah
1: um What are your favorite ways to manage stress and anxiety? Kind of talked about that, but.
0: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, like I said, therapy, um, taking herbs and supplements, exercise. Just making sure I take time for myself too. was a really big one, checking in with myself. Mm -hmm. Do you drink coffee? I do, I love coffee. Mm -hmm. I have to have it every morning. I just love it. (laughs) Natural birth
1: control methods and resources.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them. I mean, like we said before, the condom, which is obvious. Um, something that I'm starting to do, again, I stopped for a while, but the um, basal thermometer. And actually, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but there's an app called Natural Cycles, and it is actually approved by the FDA FDA as a form of birth control. Wow. If it's used correctly. That's not the one that
1: sent all the data to Facebook, is it?
0: <laughs> i like not what? Sure. Yeah, it was like That's a co- horrible. a couple
1: days ago. There
0: was a really, I just
1: know that it was a menstrual app. I don't know which one it was. There are so many. Yeah. I mean, i was speechless. I wonder
0: if it's that or maybe it's clue. I'll look it up or like flow. Maybe. Yeah. Or flow. But the one you're talking about is not that one. I don't know. That's what we're saying. So it's called natural cycles and it was developed by a Swedish woman, actually. And it's recognized by the FDA as a form of birth control and essentially what you do is you just take your your temperature every morning before you actually get out of bed and then you mm-hmm. record it in the app and as it gets more like used to your body um over like a course of a couple months it starts like learning um when you're ovulating and when you're fertile and not fertile because you're you can actually only get pregnant in like a 6 to 7 day window so sorry i was going to no start. you're fine <laughs> i'm reading this article you're like, fine. Oh. i'm like just says,
1: talking while you're no searching. i love it tracking <laughs> apps like Mia menstrual. Oh, I've never heard of that one. Fem. No,
0: natural cycles isn't part of it. Though. Okay, good,
1: good, good, good. And Maya shared information including when the user logged contraception use, monthly periods, and menstruation symptoms. That's so
0: weird. Uy. creepy. Yeah, that's really creepy. But like, why? Like, why do they? But why? Like, yeah, It's so weird. Maybe well, they, they. Maybe they'll know like when to like show like food ads to women like when oh they're my PMSing. God, that is so insane. But yeah, you're right. You're probably like that's probably why. So like, Oh, she's about to start her period. All right, bring in all the chocolate and cookies. There's I mean, <laughs> also like
1: something way more sinister, but I'll I'll totally butcher it. But it was on Rachel Maddow, and it was about how like the administration are tracking detained teenager girls' periods, and yeah.
0: Oh my god! Why oh, yeah.
1: just to like keep them from getting pregnant, mm-hmm. or I don't know. Oh, that's so... I don't remember what like the, the end game Weird. was, but it was really fucking creepy like handmaid's tale kind of ew Ew. oh my
0: god i can't i know i know i I can't i'm like literally getting uncomfortable (laughs) um
1: well what is next
0: for you i know so i haven't even announced this on my instagram yet but i'm actually as of like a week and a half ago done touring with Toe. Um, it was, it was a beautiful, sad breakup. So it's all good things and we're still really close friends, but it was just that I have a lot of things that I want to do. Um, I can't talk about any of them yet, but I've like, have a couple of plans of things I want to do. And it just required me to be home. Um, especially cause Tove is going out on a new record cycle right now, which means that she's literally going to be gone for the next year. And I just didn't want to be gone from LA for that long. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So sad we cried like a lot. <laughs> so I've been with her for four years, but um I'm really excited and I will be in probably announcing stuff soon on my Instagram about what I'm Yay. doing next. But
1: that's so exciting. Yeah. So where can everybody find you?
0: Yeah. So I'm Real Foodology across the board. Um, Instagram, Facebook, and yeah, that's
1: about it. That's Amazing. where I'm most active. <laughs> thank you so much for coming. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you so much for having me. Yeah,
0: thank you.